You're listening to Tap into the Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back better make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just fine. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into The Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And uh, what do you say we just jump into things today? Because after all, there's a lot going on uh, still uh, having to keep an eye out for what we are seeing going on with the Trump Marlago raid. And, uh, of course, yesterday was the official one-year anniversary of the debacle known as the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. For all the things that one could say, and you know if you're a long-time listener to the show, I had a lot to say, and I was far from the only one, uh, there's still a lot more to say about what's going on in Afghanistan today. 
that's a direct result of our haphazard, ridiculous withdrawal. Our withdrawal that had a set deadline with no plans, uh, no real effort to protect Americans still in country, and certainly not an effort to protect our allies, those people that live in the country and worked with us and our, uh, what, uh, the coalition partnership countries, uh, people that worked as translators, people that worked to, to help build relationships and trust. 20 years, 20 years of an effort on the part of the United States of America to transform Afghanistan into something better than a crap hole run by 7th century barbarians. And all of that to just simply be undone by a man who, as Barack Hussein al-Akbar Obama said himself, should never be underestimated on his ability to F things up. Joe Biden's big plan, trying to get a win, trying to get a victory early on. After all, he knew he wasn't going to have very many wins at home, so he had to try and get one in the international stage. Except, it's not really much of a win, is it? Anyway, since that, well, rather sad and disheartening date, we have seen the country fall back into the same situation that it was before. Women not allowed to go out in public, not allowed to leave without having uh, their entire bodies covered with the exception of their eyes, having to have male uh, chaperones wherever they go. Forget about education, even though we were promised secret schools have been set up. And I, I got I don't know if you've had a chance to see it yet or not, but look for it. This British guy gets a conversation with one of the ministers over there, and he point blank asks him about uh, their failure to honor their promise to continue to educate girls and women. And, uh, you know, he was like, oh, no, that is just not true. We are, we are doing this. Well, what about the secret schools? There, there are no secret schools. I've been to them. I've been to them. I've seen them with my own eyes. Oh, you see, uh, like all governments, we operate uh, in a position where we know what our people are doing. Uh, oh. Okay, great. What does that mean exactly? You know about it, but you're intentionally lying? Is that an admission? I, I don't quite follow. But anyway, I just love the deadpan, the guy, uh, obviously, great British uh, journalist here, uh, just doing the British bit. Uh, what about the secret schools? I've seen them. I've seen them with my own eyes. I've been to them. I gotta love that. Anyway, point being, right now, you have a tremendous amount of uh, food insecurity, meaning people can't get food. You have a high percentage of unemployment, because there's still a certain amount of isolation because the Taliban is the Taliban. And beyond that, the United States really hasn't done very much to try to help normalize relations with the Taliban outside of uh, their direct contact, mostly because, as they knew from the beginning, the Taliban hasn't lived up to any of the promises that was made in order for Joe Biden to say, okay, have some of our weapons as we leave. It is, without question, a humanitarian disaster in Afghanistan. And that falls firmly on the shoulders of Joe Biden and all the little Democrats 
that uh, were pulling the strings behind the scenes uh, that told him that, oh, yeah, this would be a great idea. Uh, let's do this. This will be a, a win on the international stage. And uh, I hate to say it, but, yeah, all you little Democrats that actually voted for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Uh, I mean, the man told you what he was going to be the few times you got to see him, uh, either by what he actually said directly or by when he told you the opposite of what he was going to do. But you guys know the code by now. Well, the Biden administration has officially decided they made the mandate uh, very clear just uh, just a little while ago. But they've decided that they will not release any of the roughly $7 billion in U.S.-based assets that are currently held by Afghanistan's central bank. Uh, this, according to the State Department, uh, Ned Price speaking on their behalf, since he is their spokesman and all. Quote, I don't see recapitalization of the Afghan central bank as a near-term option. Now, the assets that we're talking about were frozen after American forces withdrew from Afghanistan, uh, again, right about a year ago. So, in February, Biden issued an executive order allocating half of the money to families of the victims of 9-11 attacks. And, of course, he considered that to be a big win here. And there were some folks that got some of that money that uh, actually... Uh, finally had something positive to say about Joe Biden. Uh, and then supposedly they're going to reserve the remainder for, quote, the benefit of the Afghan people. Uh, right now, the Afghan people, uh, making sure you work around and do not allow to pass through the hands of the Taliban, they could really use that money right about now. Now, the White House, of course, was considering using the remaining $3.5 billion to, to pay for humanitarian aid and to support the struggling Afghan central bank, provided that the bank could guarantee how that money would be used. Both options are, quote, currently off the table, at least according to a report over at the Wall Street Journal. Officials said that the decision was made after al-Qaeda leader Alman al-Zalhiri was killed in a CIA-operated drone strike in Kabul. Top U.S. envoy Tom West told the Wall Street Journal that the Taliban's sheltering of the al-Qaeda leader reinforces deep concerns that we have regarding diversion of funds to terrorist groups, well, no duh, as my children when they were much younger would say to me. No duh, Dad. The decision, of course, comes as millions in Afghanistan face starvation. Again, literally a year into the Taliban's rule. The United Nations has warned that 95% of Afghans are not getting enough to eat saying, quote, the fate of an entire generation of Afghans is at stake. That's according to the UN Deputy Special Representative for Afghanistan, saying that back in March, when discussing the deteriorating situation in the country. Back in March, guys, in March, 95% of Afghans aren't getting enough to eat. Do you think that's gotten better in the months in between? Uh March, April, May, June, July, now we're into August. Do you think it's gotten better or do you think it's gotten worse? 
Because there are two things that are absolutely positively true about the Taliban. Number one, they are ruthless authoritarians. They behave as the theologian. So they have this theocracy in place where if you don't adhere to the strictest views of this very strict sect of Islam, then you aren't just ostracized, you are beaten at best. And the other thing that is absolutely positively true, without question, when it comes to doing any type of actual interactions with the rest of the world, when it comes to actually running a government, especially in the modern age, because all the rules are based on 7th century Islam uh, ideology, they're actually more incompetent than all of the Democrats that are currently in, uh, in office here in the United States. I mean, all of them combined. And when you look at how incompetent these people are, that's saying a lot. I, I hope you're getting the point. A lot of incompetence. Now, we are talking about the fact that after an earthquake killed over a thousand people in Afghanistan back in June, the UN reported that sanctions against Afghanistan were hampering relief efforts. So uh, Martin Griffiths, Undersecretary General for Humanitarian Affairs of the United Nations, said that humanitarian groups in Afghanistan are struggling to access funds because of sanctions against the country. But is that the real reason, guys? Anyway, back to the quote. Many poor women and children will not be able to buy bread and other necessities of life. The country will continue to depend on humanitarian aid, which is not a solution. It's coming from uh, a board member of the Afghan Central Bank and a professor of economics at Montgomery College in Maryland. Those reserves belong to the Central Bank and have to be used for monetary policy. But do they? I mean... They were seized for a reason. Because what is the bank going to do? The bank is going to follow the orders of the Taliban government. They're going to do what they're told by the Taliban. Why? Well, because that's what they have to do. They don't have a whole lot of options on this case, guys. It's not that they want to. It's that they have to. They live in a theocratic, thuggistic state. They're not exactly given free reign to just pursue whatever monetary policy they want. And that's part of the reason why even the Biden administration has not been in a big hurry to just give them that money back. Now, obviously, they wanted their 50% off the top. They went ahead and took that and said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. And I would love to see an audit of exactly how much of that money really did go to uh, the family of victims of 9-11. I have no doubt that some of this money went there, but I would love to know an accurate accounting of how much of it actually did. Not that I don't trust our government. Not that I don't trust anything Biden-related when it comes to large sums of cash having to do with foreign entities uh, possibly passing through their hands. Now, I have no, no doubts about anything like that. Don't be silly. Don't be ridiculous. I would never even suggest such a thing. I might hint at it. 
I might come out and say it point blank if you asked me uh, directly. But the point still stands. There's a reason why the Biden administration doesn't want to just turn this over to the Central Bank of Afghanistan because they're not going to be able to control it. There's a reason why nobody's lifting the sanctions. And it's not because everybody around the world hates the Afghani people. I'm sure right now it probably feels that way to the Afghanis. And I hope if any of you happen to hear this broadcast, not that I suspect that you have very many opportunities to, although I have seen in the stats occasionally some plays from Afghanistan. So uh, just know that we don't hate you guys. And previous to this administration, we were on board. We were prepared to stay as long as was necessary. Now, granted, we wanted to take our military out. We wanted to provide more logistical support and not have to be a military presence. We never wanted to occupy, despite what some people may suggest to the contrary. The point of uh, being there previously was to root out the Taliban so that you guys could have some level of freedom and so that we could take away an operating base and a training haven for terrorists that were operating on the global stage. And for 20 years, it seemed to be working fairly well. Now, there, of course, were exemptions and occasions where something bad happened, and we had a lot of people in harm's way, and sometimes it was Afghanis that still sided with the old regime that were loyal to the Taliban that would cause harm. And in the earliest days of our presence there, it was very volatile. But as time passed and the Afghan people became normalized to the 21st century, came accustomed to the idea that, you know, women can have an education and it will only improve your society. Coming around to the idea that you don't have to see everything through the viewpoint of your religion, that government can work in a completely agnostic faction. You don't have to completely divorce religion from your government, but you don't have to operate like, well, we are operating according to the tenets of the Muhammad. The Muhammad tells us what to do. We will follow the Hadith. We will follow the Sirah. There is nothing else. The Quran, or oh, the Quran is something that most Americans talk about, but we follow the Hadith. It doesn't matter at this point to the people that are starving in the streets, though. It doesn't matter to the Biden administration that just this past week, a, and God bless them, a large number of women were protesting in the streets, protesting the fact that they couldn't get bread to eat and that they would like a little of their previous freedoms back. And, of course, the Taliban... Uh, they deal with it with a very family-friendly fashion. Uh, just a lot of brutality and a lot of beating of the women. Uh, most of them aren't going to have to worry about not getting bread anymore because they're not in a position to be able to chew any food anyway. Okay, this is how the Taliban deals with their problems. They are not a partner that could be trusted. And I'm sorry, guys. I don't buy that the Biden administration didn't know that at the time of the withdrawal. For every excuse they use, oh, we had no idea this would happen. 
We had no idea. We planned for every contingency is literally something they said and then turn around. Well, we had no idea this would happen at this speed. You were making negotiations with the Taliban the whole time you're trying to keep the primary government in place, and you made it clear you're completely withdrawing. So it's no wonder these people didn't stand up and fight the Taliban. You just turned the country over. To say anything different than that is being disingenuous at best. And I would have to, to question the intelligence of anybody that buys into that. These people are starving to death. It is clearly a humanitarian issue. But here's the problem. Just sending money isn't going to solve it. I mean, I know, strange idea. And, and don't ever tell a Democrat that because that's all they ever want to do. Uh, plenty of Republicans try to do the same thing, so it's not strictly a Democrat thing. But it is always the answer when it comes to Democrats. Uh, well, let's raise some taxes so we can spend some more money. Let's just throw money at it, uh, no matter how we are focusing it. In fact, we don't even have to focus on you. I mean, they're making it rain like you're at the club on a Friday night. That's what's happening when it comes to the Democrats' problem-solving capabilities, which also is partially why no problems ever get solved. I mean, back in the day when they actually were trying, and I'm... I, I vaguely remember, at least it looked like it, when I was very young. So we'll say about 40 years ago. In, in that time since, they've come to the realization that, hey, you know what? It's a lot easier to run uh, as a candidate trying to seek re-election if you just have issues to run on rather than actually try to solve any of them. It's a lot easier to be answerable to your people back in the home district if you don't actually have a voting record. So that you don't actually step forward. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna give this authority to the president, and then it's all on him. If it works, we'll take credit for letting him do it. But if it doesn't work, well, you know, we tried to stop him, but uh, you, we very sillily gave him that opportunity. And yeah, uh, yeah, we 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 should we should vote to take our authority back. You should have never gave it up in the first place. And oh yeah, by the way, there is still an active debate in this country amongst uh, constitutional scholars as to whether or not the Congress legitimately has the power to give up some of their authority. I mean, if you look strictly at the terms of the Constitution, uh, this is your job. You need to do your job. This whole notion that whether or not they can say, well, we know technically we are supposed to do it, but in our opinion, it makes more sense to let the executive branch move forward with that, and we'll just give them the authority to do what they need to do, which is the same excuse that allows organizations, uh, part of the uh, bureaucracy, uh, folks like the IRS, folks like the EPA, to give them practically unconceivable levels of authority that not only do they not actually legally have, but they should have never been allowed to pretend like they did. Hello, EPA. You need to pass regulations about this. Well, assigning a regulation is one thing, but a regulation from the standpoint of what the EPA does is really just kind of a guideline. It has no power of legislation and should never be treated like it does. But to actually require Congress to pass a law and then the chief executive to sign it into law, well, that seems like too much work. 
How can we ever get to consensus? Well, that's the whole point. They have got us so divided now that we don't have to reach consensus because they don't need it. They're just going to pass the buck to somebody else and say, here, you just do it. Better to ask forgiveness than permission, I suppose. But again, they just figured it out. Way easier, way easier to keep running if you don't actually have a voting record to run on. That was part of Joe Biden's problem when he tried to become uh, uh, president in the earlier attempts, you know, when he was still quasi-cogent, never competent, but quasi-cogent. And uh, he kept running into the fact that everybody kind of remembered his voting record. We... Uh, Fortunately for him, unfortunately for the country, now live in a time where that was so long ago, uh, only people like me and those of you who may be older than I am in the listening audience happen to remember any of his voting record. And, you know, uh, all the gatekeepers of information between mainstream legacy media and social media, most of which leans heavily to the left, they're trying to hide his voting record. Uh, and when people do bring it up and ask him about it, uh, they all like to lie about it. They all like to lie. Lots of lies. Like the uh, lie about uh, the FBI not having Donald Trump's uh, passport. Donald Trump came out quick, said, they took all three of my passports, uh, the expired ones and my current one. Don't know why they did that. I guess they're just trying to keep me from leaving the country. Now, the uh, FBI immediately came out and said, oh, no, that is not true. We do not have his passports. CBS, uh, Nora O'Donnell, she came out and said, uh, the FBI denies this charge, despite Donald Trump clearly lying about the FBI. Okay, she didn't put it quite like that, but that's what she was insinuating. Uh, Trump folks immediately released all the documentation proving that uh, they had actually been in touch with him about trying to get those back to him. So, yes, clearly they had them. And the fact that I'm still seeing several Twitter threads that are popping up on my phone have yet to figure out why these things are popping up on my phone. I spend so very little time on Twitter. Occasionally I'll pop over just to, to check in on the leftist echo chamber, and I always end up regretting it because, you know, every time you sign into an app when you have it in a while, suddenly you'll get more and more notifications from it because, oh, well, you're active again. Here, ding, ding, ding. And so I've seen multiple different threads acting as if Donald Trump was simply lying about uh, the FBI having it, and one of them even going off about, oh, well, wouldn't it be wonderfully ironic if he was just looking for his passport because he was trying to get out of the country before they could charge him with something? Hey, what? Guys, guys, come on. Um, you clearly don't know Donald Trump at all, which most of you clearly don't anyway. But if you believe that Donald Trump's trying to run away from this fight after he's the one that is requesting that the uh, warrant have been released publicly in the first place, uh, he's the one uh, requesting that the affidavit be released, which, of course, the uh, it's the feds that do not want that affidavit released uh, because, you know, blah, 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 there will be reasons. Anyway, I'm diverging back to this topic before we take the mid-hour break. This humanitarian crisis, it really can't be solved with sending money. It really can't. It 
with particular aid and cash in the right places, it certainly could be alleviated. But the problem here is the only thing that is actually going to correct this humanitarian crisis is what we did 20 years ago. Well, 21 years ago. Remove the Taliban. That's the only solution to the humanitarian disaster currently ongoing in Afghanistan. All right, let's go ahead and take that mid-hour break. You guys don't go anywhere. I will be right back after this brief break. Come on, man. All men and women created by the gold. You know the, you know the thing. You're a lime dog face pony soldier. I got hairy legs. If you didn't believe the United States is literally at the crossroads of life or death, I'm sure you may think things differently now. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, being brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. The recent FBI raid on the Mar-a-Lago resort and home of Donald Trump wasn't all that surprising. After all, ever since he took that famous glide down the golden escalator in his New York City Trump Tower and expounded about his appreciation for the United States and the desire to actually govern on behalf of the best interest of our republic, the deep state elites who thought he was one of them turned on Mr. Trump and set out to destroy him. How dare he swagger in and declare how we should create a better economic atmosphere here in order to reignite our manufacturing powers or fight to establish equal opportunity for all who seek to open a business or get a job. Trump's fight for the unborn and religious liberties along with his desire to reconfigure the government back to within the confines of the Constitution truly infuriated globalist elites like Mitch McConnell who proudly stated, quote, Trump's agenda is not my agenda, unquote. Time to stand for God-given rights in our republic before she fails under the awful weight of tyranny being plotted against us. I'm Ron Edwards. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. I, I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy, and I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. Constitutional grounds: the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about because you want the best. Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. Cross the border late at night. 
Okay, I'm thinking that might be just a little racist, but it's too freaking funny not to play. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, uh, something else to keep in mind when we're talking about Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Uh, yeah, uh, lots of folks coming across our southern border. Most of them are not Mexican, though. Most of them are not. And, uh, you know, that's just uh, something that started under the Obama administration. Previous to Obama, eh, mostly Mexicans sneaking across our southern border. Uh, from that point moving forward, uh, mostly Honduran, Guatemalan, El Salvadoran, and of course, all points from the Middle East, strangely enough. Anyway, with all that being said, uh want to take a moment or two to remind you that, you know, for a lot of folks right now, you are in the midst of back-to-school kind of activities, right? Uh, either you're just recently back or you're getting ready to go back in the next few days, maybe, uh, providing you're not living in one of those parts of the country where you go year-round. Uh, that would be a really good time, though. Make sure that you have healthy snacks available for your kids as they're going back. Stuff that's actually good for them and will satisfy their sweet tooth. So now you know where I'm going with that, don't you? As soon as I say that sweet tooth bit. That's right. I want you to visit Built. Uh, go check out the Built Bars. They are still the most awesome candy bars on the planet because they actually are really good for you. And right now with all these school-related activities, whether your kid's in band or whether your kid's playing a sport, especially football season coming up quick, guys, uh, energy and protein, definitely handy. A little extra uh, opportunity to keep you going, uh, get those healthy snacks going. Uh, Built Bar will meet that uh, that need very, very well. So either follow the link in the show description, if you don't mind, and uh, check out what they've got to offer, or come visit me over at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, dot com. Scroll down past recent guests, which I need to get that updated, by the way, but just scroll down past that, and then you'll start seeing banners and buttons. Just click on one of them for Built Bars, and it will take you there. Either way, it works just the same. And by using those links or one of those banners, it lets them know that I sent you. So it's just a small ask on my part, and you still get a really great product, and they get a really great new customer. That's you, by the way. All right, so Built Bar. Yes, absolutely. Built Bar. Best stuff out of it. They really are the uh, the absolute best protein bars out there, period. All right, the other big news of the day 
is the fact that uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. managed to get back from his little vacation with the family and decided to get back to work signing the $740 billion Inflation uh, Introduction Act. Yeah, I don't know. I got to come up with a clever name for that. But they're calling it Inflation Reduction Clearly, it's going to do just the opposite. But yes, Joe Biden indeed did sign the so-called Inflation Reduction Act into law on Tuesday of this week. And by the way, if you're listening on terrestrial radio, uh, right now all the terrestrial radio stations that are playing me are doing so as a rebroadcast. So uh, that means time of the live broadcast, uh, for your benefit, happens to be 8-16-2022. And uh, this is... Tuesday. So it is that Tuesday, but you're hearing me uh, at least a day later, at least a day later. Anyway, Biden did this uh, on Tuesday, a move that was heralded by the Biden administration as a huge win by Republicans as a devastating loss. Uh, But you see, the problem here is it's not a loss for the Republicans. It's a loss for all of America. I'll circle back around that, doing my best Jen Psaki. I'll circle back to that. Anyway, during the bill signing, Biden called the legislation, quote, one of the most significant laws in our history. And then he joked that he never had a doubt that he had Joe Manchin's support for the legislation. Yeah, Manchin, of course, who struck out a deal in private on the legislation with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, uh, had claimed that this package will help the nation fight inflation, although there's literally nothing in it that does anything remotely similar to that. The leader of the regime and his administration have promised that the act will lower the cost of energy, lower the price of prescription drugs and health care for American families, as well as combat the climate crisis. It's also going to reduce the deficit and force the largest corporations to pay their fair share of taxes. Even though corporations don't pay taxes, boys and girls, you do. Anytime you buy a good or service from them. They just pass it along. It just makes everything cost more, which is inflationary, uh, adding to inflation, making more inflation, not reducing it. Um, Okay, I'll stop. The legislation passed the United States House of Representatives and the Senate both last week. Uh, Senate on a Sunday, passed the House on a Friday, allocating $740 billion dollars towards the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS, the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service. Okay, obviously they're not getting all 740. It also covers funding for the Affordable Care Act subsidies a little bit further down the road, all kinds of green energy subsidies and tax credits that Uh, Strangely enough, if you want to use a tax credit to buy an electric car, you're still going to have to be wealthy. So it's not helping anybody that's poor transition into an electric vehicle. Not that it's a smart transition to make. Anyway, kind of a bad idea because there's nobody 
anywhere in the infrastructure that's really ready to support having a large number of electric vehicles on the roads. It's just not out there. Again, uh, it's a technology that we're not ready for. But those tax credits, they really are kind of picky about what kind of vehicles apply. And so far, zero of them that are actually built in the United States technically, technically would qualify for these uh, tax credits because the batteries are still primarily made in China. You know, just it doesn't matter who's making them. That's still pretty much. And even if they're not being made in China, there's still all of the the things that are used to build these batteries are being sourced from China because we very foolishly allowed China to, to basically take over every part of the world where you can get lithium, at least for the most part. Anyway, Democrats, of course, claim that the Inflation Reduction Act so-called, would allow Congress to pay down federal debt by leading to new federal revenue. Uh, translation, raising taxes. That's all that means. Although the sad, sad story is, and, and there's plenty of documentation to back this up. You can do your own research on this one. There's enough of it there that normally revenues go up when you lower federal taxes, because what you're allowing them to have happen is businesses do better. There is more investment, therefore more innovation. More businesses get started Yeah, by just lowering taxes. The more you lower the taxes, the more you allow this. So then eventually uh, there are new jobs that are created. So there's more people that are gainfully employed. The more jobs that are available, the more the businesses have to compete to get good employees. So the good employees have to prove they're good. Okay, prove you're good enough to be one of those people they want to keep coming back. Then they compete to keep you uh, rather than let you just go to another job who's willing to pay you more. So everybody's uh, income improves. So as the income goes up and the businesses are doing better, then there are simply more taxes to collect even at the lower rate. The pie's so much bigger. You don't have to have half of the pie in order to be doing well. But if your pie is only, uh, we'll, we'll say it's a hundred miles across. If your pie is only a hundred miles across and you want half of that pie in order to be able to pay for all the little goodies that you want to spend, then you can take a 600 mile diameter pie and take a quarter of that, and you still have more than you had taking half. So you allow the growth. And it's been demonstrated over and over again. And every time I talk to a Democrat about this, they still look at me like their mind is blown. And I draw them little graphs, and they're like, well, how does that? A quarter can never be more than a half. It is if it's a quarter of a much larger uh, total. Anyway, they, of course, say revenue. Republicans express strong concern about the $80 billion allocated in new funding for the Internal Revenue Service, allowing for up to 87,000 new IRS employees. Now, they're being very careful to call them employees at this point. We know that they are agents. We know that they are going to be primarily 
in the enforcement side of things. That's already been announced, and it's in the bill written that way. It's just suddenly the reporting and the talking points want to say, oh, no, this is about providing you better customer service. Uh, don't believe it, guys. That's not how it's written in the bill. This is spin. Of course, the same Republicans also argued that the poorer Americans will subsequently face more audits. And, of course, the Democrats and the mainstream media, they're all like, no, 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 that is not true. We're going after the very rich. I don't know why they're talking like that. Just it felt like the right accent at the time. We are going after the very rich. We are going after uh, the people who are corporations, who are people but are not people, but the Republicans say they're people, but they are rich people if they are people, and we will make them pay their fair share. Again, corporations don't pay taxes, guys. They will submit taxes, but they're not the ones paying for it. It's, it's you. It's me. It's my oldest daughter when she's going to buy something for her uh, baby that's coming. Yeah, it's my wife when she's at the grocery store trying to make sure that there's enough real meat in uh, my refrigerator, uh, <laughs> which uh, I plan to grill quickly, utilizing uh, fire and flavor, by the way. Uh, no link for that in there, but uh, you should come check it out. Fire and flavor, also good. Um, you know, it's, it's something that we all pay whenever we buy anything whether it's a good and or a service from a corporation, because they just pass that extra tax along in the price they're charging us, boys and girls. Uh, again, the normal audience here, I know I don't have to explain that to, but sometimes I just have to keep saying it, just to vent, just to pretend as if some of these uh, individuals that are existing over on Twitter, like I was talking about a little earlier, just in case one of them are accidentally listening. Try to help them put the idea in their heads because they need to stop and think about this. They've not been utilizing critical thinking. However, they've been led to believe that they are too clever. They're too smart to fall for our tricks. When our tricks are facts and simple math. And yes, uh, fractions is simple math, I, although I know a ton of people that would argue with me on that, especially when it comes time to uh, convert them to decimals. What? It's like, it's not that hard, it's just math. Anyway, Democrats, of course, also claim that the Inflation Reduction Act, so-called, would allow Congress to pay down the federal debt. I've already said that, right? Okay. Um, Quoting Alfredo Ortez, president and CEO of Job Creators Network, the law will increase historic inflation and deepen the ongoing recession. Not even the media, which is quick to echo Biden's claims, thinks the legislation will reduce inflation. In fact, it was fantastic the other day because uh, a not Peter Ducey uh, reporter just asked, uh, isn't it a little Orwellian to call this the Inflation Reduction Act? Well, you see, we talked about that. Uh, good old, uh, good old Corinne, <laughs> Corinne Jean-Pierre. We've addressed this already. Yeah, you did. And then she spouted off lies, things that were taken out of the bill in order to get it passed. She still claims is in the bill in order to to 
fix it. There's a reason why the Congressional Budget Office says no on this one. Not going to reduce inflation. Probably going to make it worse. And the fact that they use the word probably means that they're still trying to be uh, optimistic. No, they're just trying to be deceptive because they know there's no way. Anyway, uh, back to quoting here. Uh, the law significantly raises taxes and um, taxes on job creators, including small businesses, to protect wealthy taxpayers in blue states. It adds a football stadium worth of new IRS agents to overwhelm small businesses with audits, doubles down on failing Obamacare exchanges, and threatens to innovate prescription drug supply chain. Threatens the in, in, innovative prescription drug supply chain. Yeah, all those are true. All those are true. And more. In fact, it, there was this freaking meme on Facebook, right? Uh, it shows uh, a scene from the famous white Bronco chase. And you guys know what I'm talking about. And then it's uh, captioned, the IRS chasing me after the $20 grandma gave me for Christmas uh, 15 years ago. Now, obviously, it's a joke, right? Now, most memes are. It's supposed to be funny. It's not missing context. I think you know where I'm going with this by now. Uh, yes, indeed, I got notification today that they had put a, a label on the meme on my timeline that I decided to share because I thought it was too funny and I wanted to uh, continue to propagate it. And uh, yes, there's a label on it because they've determined that it's missing context. So then later I shared another meme about bacon. <laughs> and I had to caption myself. Uh, I'm going to share this joke, all in caps and uh, parentheses around it. Oh, not parentheses. I use quotation marks on this one. Uh, this joke. But I'm pretty sure it's missing context. So I'm just... Anxiously awaiting to see what Facebook does with that. Uh, it's just, it's funny. These people, the way they want to try and control what we think, and the fact that it works to a certain degree, because even if they don't change how you think about it, they do have you double-guessing uh, what it is you want to share. Uh, do I really want to share this? Should I be concerned about it? It's about like the little liner I played coming back in from the break. They uh, sneak into America. It's like, yep, I'm pretty sure that's one that most folks would just fly out of way. I don't want to play that because somebody's going to take it wrong, and somebody probably will. But you know what? It's a freaking joke. And it used to be something we used to understand in this country, that you can say things to point out the hypocrisy without being, uh, what's the word here, adversarial, I suppose would be a good word, without being belligerent belligerently adversarial to make the point. You just tell a joke instead. And then if you're not happy with uh, how the joke goes, guess what? That means that you're probably part of the problem. So yeah, the, it's going to interfere with how innovative prescription drugs are going to be moving forward. It is going to continue the Obamacare exchanges further. Now, for the folks that are relying on those exchanges, guys, you just need to find a better solution. 
because these exchanges have been failing since their inception, and it's just a gigantic money hole, which, of course, is what the Democrats like. They like gigantic money holes. It gives them an excuse to dig a little deeper in our pockets because, ultimately, they don't care if they waste every penny we have. They just want to make sure we don't have enough money when they're done with us to do anything to stop them. Right? That's the real dirty secret here. Anyway... Our good friend Ortiz also added, quote, The law breaks Biden's promise not to raise taxes on ordinary earners and small businesses earning less than $400,000. It breaks the cardinal economic rule, never raise taxes during a recession. Biden expects this legislation will save his presidency. But the practical effect on everyday Americans will only further do it. Or at least that's what we all hope. That hope, of course, directed at the dooming of his presidency, not how bad it's going to affect the American people. We know it's going to be bad. This past Monday, Congressman Jamie Radskin, Democrat from Maryland, triggered the wrath of the Republicans by chatting about the passage of the so-called Inflation Reduction Act until he was asked to point to a specific provision that would, you know, act to lower inflation. Seems a legit question, given what they've chosen to name it, and what they're claiming it's going to do. Well, his response, <clears throat> As soon as the act goes into effect, I hope that all of the provisions will begin to work. Alright, you see, he hopes that they'll begin to work. That doesn't sound quite so confident as he did just a few seconds ago. But he wasn't done. I know that those who have been blaming Biden for the inflation going up are now giving Biden all the credit for inflation going down. So we're moving things in the right direction already. What? Uh, time out. What? I know that those who have been blaming Biden for the inflation going up are now giving Biden all the credit inflation? Where's inflation going down? Where? Uh, inflation kind of held steady last month. That's not a going down. Are we going back to this silly uh, one week at a time thing? Uh, one month at a time instead of year over year? Which, I mean, the, the fact checks actually went against Biden when he said inflation was zero for last month, right? The, there were legitimate fact checks that came out against him saying, uh, we don't know what he's talking about, guys. Because it's clearly not, inflation is over 8% still. Not 0%, over 8%. And that's a lot, by the way, for a year over year, especially considering that the previous year, inflation was already going up. You know, we are that far into the uh, the situation now, right? You, you realize that. We're now comparing uh, Biden numbers to previous Biden numbers. You know, we're, we're no longer comparing them. If you're looking year to year, we're no longer comparing them to uh, any of Trump's numbers. And the last year of Trump's numbers are pretty skewed because of the COVID shutdown. So it's probably not even fair to do a comparison there. But uh, again, we're heading in the right direction. Where exactly do you see this right direction? Uh, I mean, I get it. If your plan actually is to destroy the country uh, and uh, completely end our free market economic system, yeah, you're moving in the right direction, but it's not reducing inflation, dude. 
So a reporter asked uh, Raskin, and what parts of the bill do you think will put, well, will work on that specifically? Mm. Next question. <laughs> that, that, that's literally what he said. His response was, next question. And he was just shaking his head because he doesn't have an answer. There isn't an answer. During an interview with uh, Jonathan Carl on ABC's uh, This Week, the White House press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, uh, also struggled with addressing how this would act. I kind of mentioned that a little while ago uh, when Carl asked her point blank. Uh, let me ask you, it's called the Inflation Reduction Act, but the Congressional Budget Office, which is nonpartisan, said that uh, there would be a negligible impact on inflation this year and barely impact inflation at all next year. Isn't it almost Orwellian? How can you call it inflation reduction when the nonpartisan experts say that it's not going to bring inflation down? Her response was, look, here's the thing. We have 126 economists, both Republicans, both Democrats, who have said it's going to fight inflation. Five former secretaries of the Treasury. So you disagree with the assessment of the CBO? Uh, Carl uh, asking. Well, there's more to it than that. Republicans are maliciously framing the issue this way. Aww. Aww. It's the mean old Republicans that are all responsible for your inability to tell the freaking truth. Well, that's what we do around here because this is tapping to the truth. And that's going to have to be it for our number one, guys. So if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, I'm about to have to say goodbye. But be sure to tune in again tomorrow at the same time to hear our number two. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, obviously, don't go anywhere. Our number two starts right after this. Uh, and, you know, just a final message for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. before I go. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, A blue state plan taught to praise the little man, told that union saved the working class. He was raised a red state son to love the flag and own a gun, warned about the greed within the mass. They met beneath the moonlit sky, a college party drunk and high, and when they had degrees, they said their vows. He he couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. Learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how 
couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw the musical A happy little cabin in the west They homeschooled You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into The Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap. Coming to you from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And uh, yes, for those of you that are listening to the podcast, you know we are into the second hour of a two-hour 
broadcast that was taking place on 8-16-2022. It's a Tuesday, and man, things just aren't uh, slowing down at all. Now, if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, uh, then this means we're probably at least two days out from the time of the broadcast. So if anything's sounding a little dated, or maybe you've heard a little more about these stories since its release, or maybe something's changed on the ground, uh, that would be the reason why. Uh, this is from a few days ago, guys. Uh, travel with me through time. Uh, okay, anyway, uh, we uh, did talk a little bit about the humanitarian crisis back uh, in Afghanistan and how the solution is not money. The solution is, well, doing what we did 21 years ago, removing the Taliban from Afghanistan. That's That's the solution to the humanitarian bit. We also talked a little bit about the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, now officially being law. And what I didn't talk about, when I meant to, and I just didn't give myself enough time uh, to sneak it in as we were going on, is that there is a solution, however, to dealing with the super hyperinflationary spending that would be a result of it, and that is wave election, Republicans take the House, and then the House just says no. You know, they do control the purse strings, right? Uh, sure, there's a law that says we're going to do this, but uh, the House can still say, no, we're not going to give you this money. We see that you've earmarked the money for that, but no, we're, we're just, we're not going to do it because we control the purse strings. And that is 100% completely constitutional. It's definitely a thing that can happen and should happen. And I would be very happy. The problem is, as you've heard me discuss with multiple guests, we've talked about it with Ken Crow, we've talked about it with Ron just about every time Ron Edwards is on, we've talked about it with Ann Ubellis, we've talked about it with uh, Don Smith when he stopped by, we've talked about it with uh, Rod Eccles on his appearances, we, we've talked about it with just about every reoccurring guest that's ever showed up, especially if it's somebody that knows anything about uh, the Republican Party and the inner workings, because uh, they just have a bad habit of making promises and then failing to even attempt to keep them. So there it would be too much of a of a departure from the norms. Uh, guys, seriously, at this point, are there any norms left that we should be worried about? Uh, between the departures from the norms that we saw under the Obama years and the departures from the norms that we saw during the Trump administration, and now the departures from the norms uh, that we have seen uh, from the Biden administration, what what's left to defend? I mean, if you're going to show me that both sides are going to play by the same rules, then yes, let's defend the norms. Let's proceed with civility. But that's not what we get anymore, is it? It's uh, Republicans keep trying to be the good guys. Uh, Democrats, uh, we win at all costs. Whatever's required. It's like the earliest days of Star Trek The Next Generation when talking about Klingons and honor. It's like uh, there is no greater honor than victory in battle. Meaning that, you know, it, it's one thing to fight honorably, but it's still way more honorable to have won regardless of how you fought. Um, this, just, you know, bad stuff. And speaking of bad stuff, uh, as we were talking about that seven, $740 billion boondoggle, more inflationary news. 
Uh, although a lot of folks who currently have uh, student debts with ITT Technical Institute, they're probably going to be real happy with this. The rest of us are going to have to pay more in taxes to cover it. The U.S. Department of Education, uh, they also announced on Tuesday, which was still the time of the live broadcast that, that day, they announced that it's going to cancel roughly about $4 billion in the remaining 208,000 federal student loans for borrowers who attended ITT Technical Institute from 2005 until the for-profit college chain dissolved in 2016. Officials said that the debt forgiveness comes after the department reviewed extensive internal records, testimony from ITT managers and recruiters, and first-hand accounts from borrowers, allegedly defrauded by the quality of the Institute's program. Okay, so I'm going to say that there's a reason why we're using the word allegedly defrauded in that case. Uh, that's uh, up to debate. If you fall for certain stuff, it's on you. Okay. Anyway, quoting here from U.S. Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona, saying in a statement, quote, it is time for student borrowers to stop shouldering the burden from ITT's years of lies and false promises. The evidence shows that for years, ITT's leaders intentionally misled students about the quality of their programs in order to profit off federal student loan programs with no regard for the hardship it would cause. So, after about 50 years of service, ITT Tech came under fire in 2004 after allegations of fraud, deceptive marketing, predatory lending that left students bogged down by massive debt, and widespread and pervasive misrepresentations related to the ability of students to get a job or transfer credits. This all according to officials from the Department of Education. The Department of Education also announced Tuesday that officials formally notified DeVry University to pay back $24 million of approved borrowers' defense claims. The borrower defense program discharges some, or all, of federal student loan debt for students who attended schools that misled or engaged in other misconduct. Recoupment efforts of the millions of dollars of debt come after an announcement earlier this year that found DeVry repeatedly misled prospective students across the country from 2008, a.k.a. 2008, through 2015. Quoting again, DeVry claimed that 90% of its graduates who actively seek employment obtain jobs in their field of study within six months of graduation. The Department of Education said that uh, in a press release that, in fact, the institution's actual job placement rate was around 58%. The department's Office of Hearings and Appeals so that DeVry has 20 days to submit an appeal as to why they are not responsible for repayment. Saying, quote, 
we are in receipt of the notice from the department and are reviewing it. This from Hesse Fernandez, DeVry's Public Relations Director. And they said this according to the New York Times. So, you know, in this case, the Times probably got it right. It's a direct quote. Uh, Back to quoting, we continue to believe the department mischaracterizes DeVry's calculation and disclosure of graduate outcomes in certain advertising, and we do not agree with the conclusions they have reached. Now, uh, Richard uh, Corduroy, the chief operating officer of the Education Department's Federal Student Aid Office, stressed to the New York Times the importance for individual officials and leaders of such schools to take responsibility for the institution's failures. Quote, that is not how things worked in the past, and it's one of the improvements we're trying to make, Corduroy said. Now I'm going to stop right there and ask, if you thought that these schools were scamming students, why isn't this something that you're taking up in criminal court? And why did you continue to allow federal aid dollars to go into their coffers? And I'm sorry, if this is a question about false advertisement in concern to how effective their after-school job placement was, then I don't know that you can really legally come down too hard on them because those are statistics that would not have been too terribly hard to cross-check on the Internet. This is some basic research one-on-one. If you're not going to put that much time and energy and effort into uh, doing the research on the school you're thinking about attending, especially if you're counting on that training you for your big new job, if you're just going to buy into what is on every commercial, uh, how is it that not every company is being sued? Because, I'm sorry, when you make a statement in humor, if somebody wants to take that literally, what are they going to do? Now, clearly that's not the case here, but I'm just saying every ad you see tries to be memorable. And they do this by either making statements of fact or by making statements of opinion or by making you laugh or by just making you think that's really weird, puppy monkey baby. That's just really weird, but it sticks in your mind. So it's effective as an ad campaign. Do you really believe that 98 or 99% of graduates from any of these schools are finding work within six months during a time in which there weren't very many jobs available? If you're buying that, then uh, losing your money to DeVry University, losing your money to uh, ITT Tech, uh, these are the worst, uh, the least of your issues. You're probably going to be looking to buy some swampland soon. I mean, I know for a fact I got a couple of bridges for sale if you're interested, guys. Maybe if your student loan debt's been forgiven, uh, you can take the money you just saved, and uh, I'll I'll go ahead and I'll be happy to, to sell you a bridge. I will. I'll help you out with that. <laughs> and you'll have about as much success at getting your money back from me as you will here. But see, here's the thing. By forgiving this debt... You're not correcting a a wrong. You're not writing some 
terrible tragedy, you're helping dumb people not face consequences for a dumb decision. And, and I know it sounds harsh, especially if you happen to be one of these people. Well, how would you call me dumb? Okay, well, maybe you're not dumb, but you still made a dumb decision. Smart people do dumb things all the time, too. Okay, that's in and of itself not an exclusive thing. But at the end of the day, there are and should be consequences for dumb decisions. I mean, there just should be. That's how dumb people learn. <laughs> this is how people learn, period. And part of the problem we have with this current generation upcoming with zero expectations having been put on them and zero uh, ability to deal with the real world is a direct result of those never had to face a consequence situation. No expectations, no consequences. Uh, you expect everything to just be handed to you. Because that's all that's ever happened. You expect every idea you have should be accepted as a good one because you've never had to deal with the consequences of a bad one. And again, by 2004, if you were still buying into the, the stuff that they were selling, then I'm sorry, the, the, this should be more of a criminal thing. And the taxpayers of this country should not be the one covering the bill. Now, as far as DeVry is concerned, they're actually going after them to make them pay it back. Okay, all the better. You want to go after ITT Tech? Well, you can't anymore. They're not around. So they've got legal protections. Uh, so why is the American taxpayer, the folks that are on the hook? $4 billion here. $4 billion. What it be? Not $4 million. $4 billion for ITT Tech in this ridiculous student loan debacle. <sighs> just, just crazy. I mean, of course, the actions from the Department of Education comes as Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. must choose by next month whether or not to extend the federal student loan payment pause, which initially began at the beginning of the pandemic nearly two and a half years ago. Biden once pledged while on the campaign trail during 2020 uh, to forgive $10,000 in student loan debt per borrower. However, since taking office, the administration has dismissed $32 billion in loans or public service workers, permanently disabled borrowers, defrauded students, and people whose schools abruptly closed while enrolled. $32 billion already. Tack on another $4 billion, and something tells me the DeVry folks are probably going to see some uh, movement on this as well. I, I don't know, guys. Uh, we don't have the money to do this. And I'm sorry, it's not the taxpayers of the American public that should be covering your mistakes. That's just not the way it should be. All right, let's 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 take a quick look at the clock. Yeah, well, no. No, it's not quite mid-hour break time. Uh, it's a little surprising. Usually I'm there quicker than I realize. So what do you say before I move into my uh, next story that I take a quick peek at a bonus content story? Because, you know, I went through that one pretty quick. Uh, there's this... 
this individual over at MSNBC got a very interesting theory about Roe v. Wade. So, from the woman who warned that physical fitness could make you a right-wing extremist, comes a whole new level of insanity. Welcome to the Conspiracy Corner. It's big return to tap into the truth. Hordes of neo-Nazis are waiting at the gates to rape white women and kill black children thanks to the conservative justice of the Supreme Court. The conspiracy theory is as follows, perhaps unsurprisingly, based on a mingling of real-life stories and ideas that could only come from a college professor. MSNBC columnist Cynthia Miller Idris recently warned in a column titled, How the Loss of Roe Directly Serves White Supremacists. Horrifying plot. Yeah, that that's the title. It, it's a pretty title. Anyway, that one of the primary results of Roe v. Wade being overturned won't be millions of new babies being born each year. Oh, no, 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 that's, that's not the result. The result is a terrifying nightmare scenario where violent racists emboldened by the words of Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito rape women to further the white race. Um, okay. And suddenly I don't feel like I should ever have to put on a tinfoil hat again. Anyway, the American University professor starts by recounting the recent indictment of Matthew uh, Belanger, an alleged white supremacist and member of the extremist group uh, Rapp Craig. Um, again, my German's rusty. I apologize to the group uh, for mispronouncing your name. Uh, that's all I'm apologizing about. Anyway, Belanger is accused of drafting serious plans, you get drafting serious plans to brutally assault and kill minorities while raping white women in order to further the white race. The allegations are shocking, and if true, Blanchard, you know, he's probably a little deranged, possibly dangerous, possibly also just roaming around in fan fiction inside of his own brain. But, you know, this this isn't Minority Report, guys. I think just uh, writing down some deranged thing and pretending like it's not fiction, it's, it's a window into your mind. But if we're going to take something that's merely been written down and act as if that's proof positive, then somebody better be locking up uh, Stephen King and uh, Dean Koontz and, and every modern horror writer uh, on the planet, because they write some pretty deranged stuff, too, from time to time. I enjoy reading them. Uh, I hate King's politics, but I love Stephen King's writing, at least everything up until the point where he got hit by the van. Uh, he seems to have finally gotten past it once he wrote The Cell, but anyway. Well, not The Cell, but Cell. Okay, um... Miller address then cites a whole host of unsavory characters and racists from the past and the present who also desire to eliminate minorities and create more white 
babies. I, in fact, I'm pretty sure Eric Cartman is singing in the background uh, the minority song, you know, uh, when he went to visit the, the water park. Anyway, uh, if I had that on standby, I swear I'd be playing it in the background right now, uh, just so you'll know that this this is what's in this lady's mind. Now, what she never mentioned, of course, was the fact that Belanger was raided by the FBI in October of 2020 and reportedly began hatching his mass rape plan back in 2019, almost three years prior to Roe being overturned. So I uh, don't think that has anything to do with Roe v. Wade. Nonetheless, she implies throughout the entire piece that these bigots are encouraged by the loss of Roe due to two citations from Alito. Two citations. In Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, the case that overturned Roe, Alito cited a claim from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that mentioned the domestic supply of infants. That phrase was referring to the fact that there are more adults wanting to adopt children than there are American-born babies available for adoption. It has nothing to do with race. Nothing at all. But that's not how she chooses to see it, and that's not how she's playing it. Her tinfoil hat uh, velcroed directly to her skull. He, uh, she continues by saying he, uh, talking about uh, the justice, also cited, oh no, we're not talking about the justice, I'm sorry, we're talking about Belanger. He also cited Justice Amy Coney Barrett's observation that there are now more options for women with unwanted pregnancies to choose life, thus helping to alleviate hardship and eliminate the need to kill the child in the womb. Now, with those two claims, Miller Eldris opines, quote, these kinds of justifications for dismantling reproductive rights reduce women to vessels charged with producing babies for the good of the collective. Hey, uh, time out. I, I thought you guys liked the good of the collective. Isn't that, isn't that the role for the left? Everything for the good of the collective. And, and producing babies would be for the good of the collective, usually. Anyway, obviously, when it comes to Roe, not so good. With that in mind, Miller Eldris then wants you to believe, and, and you better believe it, because she's really smart, guys. She wants you to believe that neo-Nazis will now assault women who they view as vessels to, you know, increase the white population. She continued, in fact, directly, directly from this piece, quoting, It's not a stretch to see how this frame benefits white supremacist extremists. Their obsession with demographic change and their desire to increase white birth rates. Now, she never really explains how it benefits such extremists, other than to say that groups and individuals who she admits are fringe, have discussed similar ideas in the past. Buried deep, deep, deep in this little article of hers is a sentence that gives the game away, though, and she shows 
that she's not a serious person or a serious thinker of any kind. Uh, quote, the loss of Roe v. Wade in this scenario directly serves white supremacist extremist goals as long as it is white babies who cannot be aborted. Now, nowhere in America, nowhere, is abortion banned only for white babies. Nowhere is that being proposed. Nowhere is that being considered. Nowhere is that being said out loud, short of perhaps those uh, two white supremacists that live in uh, downtown Albuquerque. Uh, sorry, Albuquerque is just the first city I thought of. Uh, regardless of, of where this, that's not something that's being talked about. Not by policymakers. Not anywhere. In fact, the real problem with your little theory here, tinfoil hat, all due respect, is the fact that most people that will be saved by more restrictions on abortion tend to be black babies. With, with brown babies being second, fewer white babies are aborted than those two at all. So you're completely missing the point. Oh, you took abortion away. It's just a simple, easy means of convenient contraception. So you're all white supremacists? No. I'm sorry. You're dumb. Not that that's surprising, all things considered, but that's just dumb. And if you're actually willing to put that out publicly and put your name on the byline and say, hey, guys, look at me and what I think, then you are dumb. Nowhere in the United States are we saying, well, you know, it's okay to keep, uh, it's okay to keep aborting all those children that have uh, a, a skin tone a little bit darker than Caucasian, but, but we're keeping all the white babies. You're not allowed. Nobody's doing that anywhere. And your imagination is a bit much if that's what you're buying into. In fact, in fact, the data shows that under Roe, the data backs me up when I say that black and brown babies are the ones that are going to be saved way more on. All the data suggests the same thing. According to ABC News, 2019 CDC data revealed that black women had the highest rate of abortions with 23.8 abortions per 1,000 women while Hispanic women had 11.7 abortions per 1,000 women, and white women had the lowest rate of any other group with 6.6 per 1,000 women. Even a basic understanding of mathematics reveals that in all likelihood, the result of abortion being sent back to the states will mean that more minority babies are born. And you know what? Thank God for that. This works against the white supremacists. This works against every American that's afraid of changing demographics. Leftists have also claimed that the minorities will be hurt by abortion bans because unlike their wealthy white counterparts, they'll not be able to afford to travel for abortions and will have to carry the baby. In other words, what actually 
directly serves white supremacists and their ghastly goals of mass-murdering non-white children was the recognition of abortion as a right at the federal level in the first place. Meaning everything before Dobbs undone wrote. wonder if she's going to realize that that's the case. Well, again, that's the truth. And sometimes, guys, if you're a leftist, the truth hurts. You know what? I'm okay with that. Let that truth smack them square in the head. All right, guys, let's take that mid-hour break. Uh, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. <laughs> Joe Brandon, I agree. <laughs> I mean, he has made clear that uh uh, uh, well, uh the world to ease my trouble I'm not you. No, no. I promise you. President has a big stick. I keep forgetting I'm president. New York Mayor Eric Adams and Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot are perfect examples of willfully stubborn advocates for wrong solutions. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Recently, New York Mayor Eric Adams complained again about Texas Governor Greg Abbott's sending more illegal border crossers to the big, now rotten apple. Obviously, Mayor Adams is trying to have his political cake and eat it, too. But there's one big heap on problem. He wishes our border to be overflowing with uncivilized illegal border crossers who are also diseased because, like most Democrats, he wants our republic destroyed from within via whatever means available, including wide open borders. So when you either hear or read about Mayor Adams or any Democrat complaining about illegals delivered to their city, remember, it is only political grandstanding because politicians like Eric Adams and Mayor Lightfoot of Chicago told the world they either support or declared their cities to be sanctuary cities for illegals. Hopefully the voters will truly care about and rescue their cities before it's too late. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me via the Ron Edwards American Experience to find out where. Go to theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Break it down in layman's terms. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So Basically, that's wrong. Everything is awesome. I, I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy, and I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. Everything is awesome. Constitutional grounds. The hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. 
Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. You're listening to Tap into the Truth. It's all been done. It's all been done. It's all been done before. It has all been done before, but you know what? Uh, the thing about everything having been done, if you're paying attention, if you're learning from history, then you know how to be prepared. And being prepared is a big part of being self-reliant. And being self-reliant is an important part of being, you know, uh, engaging in individual responsibility. And through individual responsibility, you can truly enjoy the, the blessings of individual liberty. It's a vicious cycle. And Nobody has been helping you to be self-sufficient and prepared for the worst longer than my Patriot Supply. And for that reason and that reason alone, I'm going to put a link in the show description that's going to take you specifically to the 4-in-1 emergency solar flashlight and AM-FM weather radio. It actually has a hand crank. It's by Ready Hour, and it is located at my Patriot Supply. Now... Whether you're talking about hurricanes or power outages, emergencies, whatever kind, you'll be ready. The Ready Hour 4-in-1 Emergency Solar Flashlight and AM-FM Weather Radio with Hand Crank is loaded with the important functions you need during an emergency situation. Lightweight and portable, it's rugged and it features an AM FM weather radio band. It has an LED flashlight. It has four LED room light situation with a cell phone USB device charger. And best of all, it requires no batteries. It can be powered by hand crank. It can be powered by the solar powered the panel that's on it and via USB port if that's what you need to do. This is a must have for hiking, camping, a bug out bag or just an emergency kit when you need to be on standby. So I'm going to put a link that's going to take you specifically to that page to help you be prepared in the event of an emergency. And once you're there, uh, go ahead and check out everything else that My Patriot Supply has to offer. And uh, if you'll follow the link, they'll know I sent you. And that's really all I'm asking here. I want to put you in touch with them uh, so that it becomes a win-win-win situation. You win by having some really great products that helps you be ready in the event of the worst possible scenario. Uh, they win by virtue of getting a really great customer. Hey, that's you. And uh, I win by virtue of having gotten you guys together and uh, getting just a, a little a little bit of a commission. That, that That's really all it is as an affiliate. So, you know, uh, just follow the link, check it out, and, uh, you know, get prepared. Get prepared. Uh, you need to be prepared. Again, self-reliance. So it's all part of individual responsibility, guys. <laughs> 
can't enjoy liberty if you're not responsible. Okay, now, uh, another main story I wanted to talk about today. Uh, California Appeals Court has overturned a $300,000 fine against a church over their COVID non-compliance. And, you know, again, this is great news. This is absolutely fantastic news. A, a California court overturned the $300,000 in fines against a church accused of non-compliance over COVID during the state's pandemic shutdown. Judge Peter Kerwin ruled in favor of Calvary Chapel San Jose in the 36-page ruling that came out this past Monday. The uh, Back in October of uh, 2020, the plaintiffs, including the people of the state of California, the county of Santa Clara, the county health officer, Sarah Cody, all alleged that Calvary Chapel had failed to comply with the state's orders. The violations included failure to submit a plan for risk reduction and holding indoor religious services during 2020. <gasps> Gasp! A church that actually met in person? A church that actually put their faith in Christ instead of the state of California? Oh my! I can see why they would go after these folks. I mean, such a dangerous thing. And, and all the people they were putting at risk. Oh, oh my. This is so dangerous. How could you... How could you do that and call yourself Christian? I don't know. Maybe because Christians tend to walk in faith, not in fear. Maybe because Christians tend to put their faith in a higher power. And that's not the state, guys. Government is not the answer. In fact, the biggest part of the problem are people who think government is the answer. Because it's not. Anyway, according to the ruling... A temporary restraining order was implemented in November of 2020 that was later rescinded. The uh, congregation also made headlines for holding an indoor Christmas Eve service in 2020 in direct violation of county and state public health orders. In fact, I think we talked about that on air, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I believe this is the same church. Anyway, quoting here from Pastor Mike McClure. I respect the judge and I respect what the law says, but there's a bigger law. I have to get told, you follow God or you follow man. I have to follow what God's word says. So the case became a rallying point for Californians upset over the state's government overreach during the pandemic. During the uh, 2021 recall election against Governor Gavin Newsom, Republican challenger Larry Elder held an event at a church. And I'm sorry, actually held an event at that church's location, the specific one in question here. Uh, quoting uh, from Elder, something he said during the event, a third of all small businesses in California are now gone forever because Newsom ignored science. Which, uh, sorry, Dems, that is true. Fact check, correct. Now, Monday's ruling reversed and annulled all three charges against the congregation, noting that the parties shall cover their own legal costs, uh, meaning 
uh, sorry, state of California, sorry, county, uh, sorry, public health department. You guys, if you hired lawyers, uh, you're paying for them. The church isn't on the hook. The congregation isn't on the hook. California Republican candidate for Senate Mark uh, Measure celebrated the ruling on Twitter with a post saying, quote, Today, a California appeals court overturned $300,000 in sanctions issued against Calvary Chapel San Jose for not shutting down during COVID. The government could not shut them down because of First Amendment, so a judge could not sanction for refusing to obey the order. Now, I don't know if that's the rationale here uh, as Mark is laying it out, but I do think it is still a major victory for religious freedom in the country and for state and local governments that want to overstep their authority. Uh, it should serve as a reminder. It's a little late for a lot of folks. It's a little late for a lot of businesses that were lost, but at least in some of these cases, the courts are getting it right. Uh, an attorney for the Advocates for Faith and Freedom, uh, Mariah Gundero, I, I hope I'm getting your last name correct there, Mariah. Uh, certainly no disrespect intended. Uh, which, of course, represented the case. Said that the church's pastor was unfairly treated in the case. Pastor McClure is <clears throat> the poster child of COVID-19 abuse. Not only has Santa Clara County fined the church over $2.8 million for violating arbitrary COVID-19 orders, but they've also sought to hold the church and McClure uh, personally in contempt twice and then sent threatening letters to the church's bank. This is government abuse at its finest. Now, the organization noted that Santa Clara County was the first county to issue a shelter-in-place order and has implemented an aggressive fine system. The county sought $2.87 million in COVID fines from the church, even though the Supreme Court has admonished California five times for a highlighted that the orders as applied to churches were in violation of the First Amendment. Five times. It hasn't stopped them yet. California is still, well, California, but... Again, at least some of the courts are getting it right. And, you know, at this point, what else can we ask for? I mean, we're going to take the wins where we can get them, right? This was governmental overreach. This was a situation where, <clears throat> clearly, the county government, the state government, they don't have the right to tell these people that they can't meet. And unfortunately, when it came to the fines and the, the efforts to, to threaten their bank, for crying out loud, this is just about them throwing a temper tantrum that they weren't getting their way. And sadly, they're in a position where, against most people, they could get away with this. Whether we were talking about uh, Wishmer in Michigan, or whether you're talking about Newsom in California, or you're talking about former Governor Cuomo in New York, uh, all these people, they had to make examples of people that were willing to stand on principle and say, no, 
You are our government. You work for us. You do not command us. You do not tell us what to do. You can make suggestions. You can do the work of making information available. You can do the work of making, mitigating, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, mitigative actions available. But you don't have the authority. You don't have the right to tell any of us that we must follow your rules. Now, we live in a social contract, okay? Uh, the rules of society are pretty well established, and there are certain things that you're simply not allowed to do. You can't just go kill somebody. You can't just go take somebody's stuff. You can't just uh, abuse someone physically. And to a degree, also, you can make a case emotionally. But when it comes to, do I get to do my own risk assessment? You don't get to tell me no on that. You don't get to tell me no. You don't get to tell Ken Crow no. You don't get to tell Bobby Joe Blanton no. Name I just completely made up. You don't get to tell anybody this. And you certainly don't get to tell a pastor of a church that they don't get to do the church thing. There's, there's literally no room in the Constitution for you to ever have that authority. There's no room in most state constitutions for you to ever have that authority. But see, that's, that's the little thing about how COVID played out just about everywhere where it was Team Blue that was in charge. They paid no attention to what the rules were. They paid no attention to what the laws were. They literally were changing how you could vote based on uh, what, what do you think would be the easiest way we could cheat? Oh, no, did you just use the cheat thing again? Oh, don't tell me that wasn't part of the idea. We're going to make it so easy for us to flood the system with votes for the people we want voting, whether these people are eligible to vote or not. You want to tell me that's not cheating? Now, was there widespread cheating that was enough to overturn the results of an election? Well, that's up to you to decide. I have expressed my opinion quite bluntly on multiple occasions, to the point where I'm sure most of you are tired of hearing me say it. But to pretend as if states didn't do things that they don't normally do, well, fact-check that statement. Because that's fact-check correct. To look at some of the changes that states made in their voting for the 2020 presidential election cycle to, to say that none of these states haven't went back and said, uh, this was clearly a violation of our state constitution and we should have never allowed it. Uh, how about that statement? You want to fact check that one? Go ahead. Fact check. Correct. There's no question, there's no doubt there were shenanigans. There were shenanigans in so many places, but only in specifically targeted locations where it was necessary in order to get the results that was desired and in areas that were still close enough in the purplish kind of area that people could honestly believe that Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., might have won in those locations by an amount just sizable enough to be the necessary 
in order to get the W statewide. And, you know, that was my assertion from the beginning. I never said there was widespread. I said it was very focused and very targeted, uh, but there were still multiple places. And I'm sorry, when you look at places like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, that uh, made changes to how they were allowing voting to be conducted that were not congruent with their state constitution and that the le state legislatures did not make those changes as would be required, then that invalidates every vote that came in through one of these uh, allowed methods because it wasn't done legally. And if you cast a vote in a fashion that is not legal, then it's an illegal vote. Therefore, it is an ineligible vote. You need to vote the right way if you want it to count. I'm sorry. I don't think that that's an unreasonable expectation. I'm pretty sure that's actually the law everywhere. But, you know, it's okay. There's a pandemic. We'll ignore the law. We'll just make these changes because people should still be involved in this election. We certainly can't let the orange man who's bad the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, uh, get a second term uh, just because people couldn't get out to vote. We, we, we've got to make sure that we make it easy. We've got to make sure that these folks are allowed to, to place their votes. And, you know, if it just so happens that we engage in ballot harvesting, even though it's technically not legal in our state, well, that's okay. It's just a, a one-time deal, and, and nothing bad ever happens in uh, voter harvesting. Is it? Vote harvesting, it's so legit, always on the up and up, and never been an issue anywhere. In fact, most of the states that allow it, they love it. Uh, of course, they love it because it always seems like Team Blue always wins in places where it's allowed. Uh, very rarely do you see somebody from Team Red get a victory in places where vote harvesting is allowed. So I'm sorry, the fact that there was an ongoing pandemic, that was all the more reason for you to follow your laws to the letter. And if you wanted to make those changes, you should have had the legislature do it. Oh, there wasn't time. There was plenty of time. Plenty of time. All you had to do was make it a priority. You didn't you didn't make the legislative changes because you didn't think that the legislators, legislations in the various states would go along with it. That's why. It had nothing to do with uh, trying to make sure that every vote counted. <sighs> oh, but you see, even, even pointing out that certain states allowed things that are not permissible under their state constitution, even that statement would be enough to get me uh, banned on YouTube again. Would be my third and final strike over there, which is why I'm not even putting the show up over there anymore. I mean, I'm just waiting to see. In fact, I'm not even sure my current suspension. I'm pretty sure the suspension's over, the two-week thing. I need to go back and look at the dates, I guess. Uh, you know, the passage of time is like time passing. Do I have that one... <laughs> I don't think I've re-uploaded. I don't know that I've ever had that one, though. The passage of time is significant because of the significance of the passage of time. Uh, such deep, deep thoughts from Kamala Harris. Anyway, it's 
just to say something like that, it's not allowed. I can't talk about Hunter Biden and the laptop and the big guy. I can't talk about because that's going to get me booted from Twitter uh, moving forward. Can't talk about how the so-called Inflation Reduction Act does absolutely nothing to reduce inflation. Can't talk about that on Twitter because, again, uh, the, the long knives are coming for you. The the great purge before the the midterm elections is coming. They don't want conservative voices, and and only the very smartest among us who are able to to dodge the algorithm and use the codes and are really good at it by now are going to be able to stay on board. And watch for some of those folks to still get hit. Problem is, folks like me, I, I don't like talking in code. I mean, if I'm like trying to be humorous and make the point, then okay. But when I'm actually just directly trying to talk to you, I don't like talking in code. I want to tell you, just I just want to tell you, I want to speak straight. And then you can either agree or disagree with me. And and if you disagree, then you know what? <laughs> if we still agree a majority of the time, I think we're still good. And hopefully you'll still feel that way too. Anyway, I guess it's time to start winding down because we only have a few moments left here in the second hour of this two-hour broadcast that took place on August 16th, 2022, Tuesday. Thank you so much for being here. For those of you that are listening, especially if you're listening to the podcast or if you're listening over at the last frequency, as your guys typically get the two hours in one block and you don't don't get it split up. You just get two hours in one block, uh, usually the day after. So if you're still listening, you've been here two hours, and I thank you so much for giving me that much of your very valuable time and one of the most precious commodities that we have. As I'm fond of saying at this time of day, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and... Please, please, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. That's it for tonight. See you again on Thursday. I'm out. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Using both hands 
You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.